Hello, welcome to Chibi and Chill, the anime podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, a guy that has been obsessed with all things anime since the 90s and early 2000s. Hello again, thanks for joining me. Thanks for checking out this podcast. If it's your first episode, hello, welcome. I do episodes all around anime. Last week, it was all about Pokemon and the video games and the anime that have made the franchise the largest in the world and a global phenomenon. It was great to dive into the world of Pokemon and specifically its anime and see how the different areas of the Pokemon brand link together and help build these regions and worlds that we love so much. In this episode, it's all about the aesthetic powerhouse that is Studio Ghibli. In this episode, we'll take a look at the studio and how it found its start and how it rose movie after movie to become one of the most iconic exports in Japan. Throughout the episode, I'll also give some watch list recommendations from the Studio Ghibli set series of films that if you're into anime and want to explore what Ghibli have to offer, then you really shouldn't miss out on that list. There's something for everyone in the Ghibli film set. They're all kind of wild, they're all kind of magical. and They're the Disney of, of the East, I always say. They're, they're so aesthetic. This episode is quite jam-packed. It's quite full. There's quite a lot of facts, quite a lot of story coming from, from Ghibli. So let's dive straight in. And let's take a look at how this studio became a household name. Studio Ghibli was founded way back in 1985 by Hayao Miyazaki and Izao Takahata. I'm so sorry if I did butcher those names, I am trying my best. So Miyazaki and Takahata worked together on animated films and one of the most famous ones they released before the founding of Studio Ghibli was Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind in 1984. I'm not entirely sure I said that right. I'm always super, super unsure of how to say that title of that film. Give it a Google. It's it's hard to say. (laughs) So, in fact, this film is often accredited with the studio due to its artistic direction and the aesthetic that the film has. And the publisher at the time, Takuma Shoten, played a crucial role later on in the founding of the studio Ghibli and helped release another film called Castle in the Sky a little bit earlier on in the studio's founding. So it's one of the very first films they released. And we'll get we'll touch on that in a little bit. But the first thing I think we, we need to kind of address is the name. So what what is a Ghibli? So a Ghibli is a hot wind that blows through the Sahara Desert and this name was also given to a range of Italian reconnaissance planes during World War II. And this may seem really random, like why am I telling you this? This has nothing to do with, with the studio, but it does, it does. And 
one of one half of the founding members of Studio Ghibli is infatuated with aircrafts, so they decided to name the studio after this word. It's interesting, it's different, and knowing this fact, it kind of helps to bring to light why so many of the films have a very certain aesthetic and some kind of machinery involved. It's all due to this infatuation. The team has also since said that the name was meant to imply their desire to stir up a whirlwind in the domestic animation industry, quote-unquote. So the founding pair, Takahata and Miyazaki, now famous, world-famous household names, especially within the anime community, originally worked together at Toge Doga, which is now modernly known as Toei Animation, one of the industry's leading anime studios that produced the likes of One Piece and Sailor Moon amongst so many other hit shows. We talked a little bit about Togo Doga and Toei Animation and how that studio became so popular and the types of works they were creating back in the history of anime series. So you, if you haven't listened to those and want to learn a bit, little bit more about the founding of other studios such as Studio Ghibli, I would recommend you do scroll through scroll through the episodes and check those out they are super interesting there's a lot of facts and a lot of different tidbits of information about the anime industry that you might not be aware of during its history so during their time at the studio their focus was shifted to tv after a few movie runs and it's because of the new popularity and public uptake of the tv that works such as Hire Day, A Girl of the Alps in 1974, Marco from the Apennines to the Andes in 1976, and Conan, The Boy of the Future in 1978. And creating these pieces of work for TV created a sense that the team couldn't quite create the work they desired to because of budgets and the scheduling limitations when working with the TV format. They really wanted to create more experimental and artistic pieces of work that allowed them to fully dive into these very visually appealing and deep worlds. And because of the anime industry at the time, for studios, films were a risky business. In fact, I talked a bit about this in one of the History of Anime episodes, and if a film did well, they would make another one, But if the film didn't do well, then it was back to TV and that format wouldn't be tried again for a long time. It wasn't a time where more creative and adventurous films, experimental films, could be explored. The budgets weren't there and the the time and resource wasn't there either. They needed to focus on work that was highly commercial and brought in these viewers and profits. So the idea of going off and creating a studio that would solely focus on creating cinematic anime films was wild at the time and was quite a gamble and a risk from a business and commercial sense. To mitigate the risk and the cost for each film, the studio hired staff per film and disbanded them once the film was completed so they had little to no overhead apart from when films were in production. And officially, the first film to be produced by Studio Ghibli was Castle in the Sky in 1986. So just a year after their founding. So it only took them a year to make their first feature film. It is 
super clear in this film where the kind of airborne aesthetic really comes into play that we mentioned earlier with the the love of aircraft and the castle in the sky is about the people of Laputa who raised a large castle into the sky using a levitation crystal and hundreds of years later it's now just a myth and there's a battle that goes on to try and save Laputa's treasures and the levitation crystal. It's all kind of wild. It's really, really, it's a nice film. It's really nice. I've only seen it once and that was a long time ago. So I think this is one of the Ghibli films I really need to, really need to revisit, I think. So after this film, Ghibli went on to release one of their most iconic pieces of work, My Neighbour Totoro, and it was part of a double feature with a film called Grave of the Fireflies, and these were released in 1988. So creating and releasing two feature films at the same time was quite a big risk for the company that was really new, and although this work put a lot of strain and pressure on the studio, Miyazaki and Takahata were dedicated to these stories, and knew that this was their best shot at getting them out into the world, and they had the vision that their focus for a business should be on creating artistic work and maintaining the studio came second to that. And which is different to basically any business you you think of. And I think their level of work and their beauty is a testament to this focus. As a creative person myself, I think we'd all love to have the focus be on purely the creation of creative stuff and visual stuff and selling them being being a counterpart but unfortunately we do have to have that balance and it, it is nice to know that one of the largest studios in the world put their focus on what they're actually putting out there instead of the monetary side. So My Neighbor Totoro and The Grave of Fireflies didn't actually do that well at the box office because of the times of their release so they were out of the summer peak for, for film releases. So, however, My Neighbor Totoro won multiple awards at that year's Japanese film festival and Grave of the Fireflies has received critical acclaim for its storytelling. My Neighbor Totoro is such an iconic film. It's so heartwarming and nice. It's a perfect Sunday watch and that I sound like a broken record sometimes when I say that, but they're so soothing and kind of slow story-wise, but they're really nice because of that. They're really soothing and and who doesn't love a giant cat-like creature that's massive and fluffy and has giant eyes and a big smile and a cat bus? Who doesn't love that? This film alone is a must-watch for any anime fan, anyone that's looking to get into anime or the Studio Ghibli films. This one is a, an absolute must-watch. Ghibli's next film, Kiki's Delivery Service, was their first box office smash when it released in 1989. The film blew the others out of the water with 2.64 million people going to see it and Nippon TV joined their committee for the production of this film which helped create buzz about the film prior to its release so it had a lot more marketing around it, a lot more visuals being put out to help promote this film. And Kiki's Delivery Service is one of my favourite Ghibli movies. It's about Kiki, a witch who travels to find herself a town to call home and she helps out a local bakery creating a delivery service for them with her magical powers and abilities and there's a talking cat called Gigi 
who's really cute, it's a little black cat. And the story again is really heartwarming, it's really nice. Again, a perfect Sunday watch. In November 1989, Ghibli decided to end their film-by-film staff turnover and made its staff full-time for the first time. So they finally had a dedicated animation team that would work on every project from then on. This did, however, mean that costs were much higher every month and the projects had to keep coming so the team had stuff to work on. Whereas last time, they could have little moments of rest and kind of relaxation almost, not this time. They had to keep the projects going and the money flowing in from these projects. So following that, and on that note, the team got started on the film Only Yesterday and Pocaroso. Only Yesterday was released in 1991 and became the number one domestic film for that year in Japan. And you can kind of imagine the new buzz that was going on at the studio with everyone being made permanent staff and two projects going on at the same time. And the feeling of creativity and like the teen spirit that you would feel within that studio because you're all fresh, but it kind of feels more like a family. I feel like the energy within the studio would have been so almost family oriented and really people focused. I bet it was just so, so nice. So the studio decided to look after all of its own marketing and promotion for their works now as well uh, during this time, meaning that the team were also dedicated to pushing the films they were making to ensure that they were successful. They dedicated not only their own resources to making the film, but to promoting them as well. So they had full control over the, the imagery, how it was portrayed, the language used. And I think that helped to further sell the aesthetic of the films where it was seen in the marketing and in the films itself. Porco Rosso became the number one box office film amongst both domestic and foreign films for that year. This then created a theme for the studio and after each release they did, basically every film they released became a number one and a smash, at least domestically and some would be lucky enough to become number one both domestic and foreign overseas as well. Princess Mononoke was the first film to be directed by Miyazaki himself in five years since the studio kind of found its feet and had a base budget of 2 billion yen which is around 14 million euro and a production schedule of three years releasing in 1997. This film surpassed all projections and expectations and brought in an audience of 14.2 million people which in Japan that surpassed E.T. and broke all Japanese box office records at the time. So this film really really made its stamp in Japanese box office culture and films and the audience really really took notice of this film. The film is all about nature and the protection of it and features demons and gods and a battle between these forces and humans. It's a great film to watch if you love a more nature-focused and kind of rustic aesthetic film. There are some amazing creatures in the film created by Ghibli, such as the Nightwalker, which is the night form of the deer god, which is a huge transparent creature with a swirling pattern on its body. There are the tree spirits called Kodama, which are so cute and kind of creepy with the way their heads twitch. 
that live in the forest and and countless others. It's a it's a super interesting film all about nature and being a, a tree hugger myself. It's a it's a nice fun to watch and it's it's nice to see that kind of message about the protection of nature and and preserving what lives in these these rural areas be be at the forefront of these films. Spirited Away was then released in 2001 and this is one of my top Ghibli movies and it's and it's one of the studio's most popular and iconic pieces of work. This film broke all the previous records for almost a full year and brought in an audience of 23.8 million people and a revenue of 30.8 billion yen which is nearing 223 million euro beating the titanic to become the greatest box office hit of all time in japan at the time so even the titanic didn't hold a candle to this film which is just amazing and i think it's insane to think that an anime movie beat such a juggernaut of a movie such as the titanic this film also became the first animated film to ever win a Golden Bear at the 52nd Berlin International Film Festival and the following year it won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature at the 75th Academy Awards. So this film helped to establish themselves internationally as a force for creative animation and helped to really showcase Japanese talent and the anime genre to the world. And to people who wouldn't normally have paid any attention to the medium either. You know, these films told stories that people sat up and listened to and they watched and they they became part of. If you haven't seen Spirited Away, you need to pause this podcast right now and come back to it later on. Because it's so, so good. Spirited Away is, in a nutshell, about a girl, Chihiro, and her family who accidentally stumble into the spirit realm... And events happen that mean that Chihiro works at the bathhouse in the realm and meets a variety of wild characters and and creatures and tries to free herself and her family and escape back to the human realm. It's, oh my god, it's such a good film. If you haven't watched it, this is my number one recommendation. This is the number one recommendation for the podcast list. It's so good. It is so, so good. Howl's Moving Castle was released in November 2004, which is an amazing Ghibli film. If you're into magic and steampunk aesthetic adventures, this is my recommendation for you. It's it's really, really good. Many other films were released before 2004, but this is my... This is the one that stands out for me against the other films. I don't know if that says something about me personally. It's quite a, a magic-focused film, and the other one's quite spirity. Um, but the, the Howl's Moving Castle is the one that stands out for me in the timeline of Ghibli movies. And as time goes on, Ghibli continues to release movies and features. And after the release of Ponyo, they release plans for their younger directors to take the helms with some creative director projects. And Miyazaki has plans for his own film within a five-year plan. So some of these films included Araiti, which released in 2010, From Up on Poppy Hill, which is a really famous one in 2011, and Miyazaki then releases The Wind Rises in 2013, which was actually the first time since Nausicaa 
that Miyazaki directed an adaptation of his own manga. I think it's really nice to see this focus from the studio on its staff and its pipeline of who will be taking the helm of Ghibli and who will be telling these types of stories once once the the founding pair are gone or, or retire, for example. I think it's nice to see that they're cultivating and curating this young talent and young director talent to help bring these stories to life in a way that they can and the way they have for for decades now. In 2018, one half of the Ghibli duo Takahata sadly passed away and a memorial was held at the Ghibli Museum which opened into October 2001. Their most recent film, Earwig and the Witch, is the studio's first fully 3D movie and aired in cinemas in 2021, which is quite a departure and a new direction for the studio, and I've yet to see this film, and I'm almost nervous to watch it, as I I really don't want it to kind of not have the same aesthetic and emotional connection because it's not drawn in the same way, you know, it's all 3D and CGI styled. But I I do need to watch it. I definitely do need to watch it. So here are some last Ghibli recommendations that I think aren't my favourite pieces of their work. But I think they're definitely worth a watch if you're interested in watching stories that are a little bit different. Or slightly more more emotional tones or, or just downright quirky. So the first film I would say is The Cat Returns. Which is a great film if you're a cat lover. And this film is about a teenage girl who saves a cat from being hit by a truck and finds out that he is in fact the king of cats. So really playful, really, really different, a different kind of story from Ghibli there. The tale of the princess Kaguya is a traditional folk story all about a princess born from a bamboo shoe and she grows up really quickly like bamboo does and begins her own adventure. That one visually is very very pretty it's very soft and very traditional style when you look at traditional Japanese and Chinese paintings that is what this film looks like. Tales from Earthsea is a great adaptation of a fantasy classic and Whisper of the Heart is a love story that encourages children to look to the future and and their future. All in all, I think there's something to love in each Ghibli film. Some of them I haven't watched, I'll be honest, and some of them are downright amazing films. Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke. There are some standout films that are, I have to say, are a must-watch for any anime fan, whether you're new to Studio Ghibli or maybe you've wanted to watch them for a while and never really began. These are the ones to be get started on and to really sink your teeth into. So during this episode, we've seen the growth of the Ghibli studio name and how through their creative work and their dedication to their creative work and their team and and their craft, how they've been able to showcase themselves as an international powerhouse of film storytelling. And not only from an anime point of view, but also from a cinematic point of view. Their storytelling and their aesthetic and creative direction 
has won them award after award, both domestically in Japan but also overseas. If you've watched any of the films I talked about today, find on Instagram and Twitter or Facebook and let me know which one is your favourite. There is always a distinctive Ghibli film that is someone's favourite I always find and mine is Spirited Away, very closely followed by Howl's Moving Castle so I'd love to know what is yours. Thank you for joining me on this episode, thank you for checking out the podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, everything, every action really does help support the show, it costs nothing to share the show and thank you so much for all the support that I've had so far, this is the 6th episode so thank you so much for for being there for all these episodes so far with many more to come for my listeners of the podcast i have a very special discount code for my anime etsy shop where i sell a range of anime themed chibi style illustrations of popular and famous anime and manga characters and if you enter code chibi chill into the etsy cart you'll save 25 percent on your order Shop link is in the show notes. I ship worldwide here from Ireland and all orders placed before 4pm GMT time will be shipped the same day. Thanks for checking out this podcast guys. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I'll be back next Monday after a where this episode will release after I've been on a holiday to Dubai. I don't think I'll actually tan. I'll probably just go red on the first day and return to being quite pale but hey ho the experience will still be nice enjoy your week guys have a fabulous day until next monday goodbye